go. We got a green light now. They're mesmerized with technology, I'm telling you. Well, it's good to see everyone that's made it out this morning and appreciate the selection of music that we had today. Uh, we have, uh, like Brother Greg said, we are a few in number this morning. But I've oftentimes thought about that as well when we uh, talk about how few in number we might really be. You know, we, we have an impression uh, that's been kind of handed down to us that uh, all the churches of the New Testament were large congregations. Well, many times they would be like one family uh, that would uh, carry on the message or there would be one group of people that would come together, whether it was at Ephesus or Colossae or wherever it might be. And over time, because they continued in the faithfulness of God, the, those churches did grow. Though many times, uh, you know, they would not be as large in number as, they, as we would like to think they would be. I had a man one time say to me about his own opinion about how large a church should be. And uh, I listened to him quite intently because at the time our congregation was reaching close to 100 in California. And... Um, he made this statement, he goes, you know, a church should never be over 40 or 50 strong. And he goes, and when we start seeing that number growing, he said, we ought to look at, you know, starting other churches elsewhere. And uh, I don't know if he agreed with me or not, but I said, you know, however large the church may be, you know, we shouldn't just be in a rush to send somebody out, but we want to make sure that they have a good understanding before we uh, authorize a congregation. And so that's the role of a church. We're going to get into that sometime about uh, the activities, once again, of a missionary. But uh, today I'd like for us to take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 8. As we continue our study into eschatology. And uh, what is very interesting for me is what we read beginning in uh, Roman or in Revelation chapter 8 regarding the sounding of the, the first set of trumpets. So let's go ahead and read the beginning of verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints, and the golden altar which was before the throne of God. And the smoke of the incense which came from the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it to, unto the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there uh, followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and, they, and the third part of their trees was burnt up, and all the grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, as it, were, uh, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast in the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. And a third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died by the waters because they were made bitter. 
And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so, uh, and so, uh, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and night was likewise. And I beheld, and lo, an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to come. So this morning as we are going to be looking at Revelation chapter 8, we see the seventh seal as it is opened up. Now once again, uh, you know, the parallels that we see amongst our own brethren is we have to take a look at Revelation and either decide, has this already happened? Is it going to happen? Uh, where do we fit into it? Now, understand this, is that I've done my own fair share study, and I do my best, as well as anyone, not to enter into my studies with a preconceived idea. I think it would do us all very good to see that. I do not believe the Bible is already written and uh, nothing is left to happen. I really believe there's a lot more that's getting ready to happen. And that's why we hold to the book of Revelation as not only futuristic, but as present and also in the past. But as we look at these things today, I want us to consider very carefully what does the meaning of the seven or the sounding of these trumpets as we take a look at the first four trumpets as they sound, and how we can see that they are going to have an impact upon the things of this earth. We want to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to ask him to guide us as we study today, help us in all things. Father, we want to thank you for the blessings that you bestow. And Lord, we don't want to be in a horse race because there are so many things that we do want to understand that are written from your word. But we also know, Lord, that wherever there's a responsibility, we have the, the requirement to study, we have the requirement to learn, and we have the requirement, Father, to apply. Lord, as I get older, I know that the things that I thought I knew, I have to go back and study again to make sure that I have a good grasp on it. And Lord, this requires of me more responsibility, more learning, more growing as well. But Lord, the congregation has a need also to hear the truth. There's many that are listening, that may be tuning in from afar off. And Lord, we don't know what they're thinking. But Lord, as we have every opportunity, I pray that we would study the Word, that we would apply the Word, and that those that hear, whether on Facebook or other means where they can read the message for themselves or on the radio app, Lord, help them to have a good grasp of the things that we give. So guide us today, dear Father, and bless all of those that are tuned in. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful unto you, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. Now, again, these are the things that I see that I'm going to be presenting you today. Now, we're going to start with this as the last image that we saw, where we saw the thunders and the lightnings. But I thought it was interesting that when we open up the seventh seal, it's almost like a great breakdown. So you have the, the seven seals, but the seventh seal opens up seven trumpets. The seventh trumpet opens up the next part. And so the number of sevens is always something of completion. So the seven seals gives way to seven trumpets, and seven trumpets gives on and so on and so forth. But each time that we see a trumpet that is going to be sounding, remember this, this is an, an order... 
these trumpets will happen in rapid succession. Now, I want us to begin today by looking at Revelation chapter 8 and beginning up once again with verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, what's interesting is I use many commentaries. I do a lot of reading and a lot of application. And probably the two individuals that I have the greatest respect for was a little simple book that I showed you at the beginning of our studies by Jack MacArthur. Not John MacArthur, but Jack MacArthur, who I don't know if he's still living today or not, but I really do enjoy his book. And again, it's called the book of Revelation, Alpha and Omega. Uh, once again, he was Baptist, he was strong in his Baptist, Baptist beliefs, and uh, he really pointed this out, the truth that was there. And he was the one, even over John Walford, who really focused upon verse 1. Now what's interesting to me is that a lot of times we want to get to the exciting part, we don't want to get into the preliminary part. I don't know how many of you noticed this. But verses 1 through 5 is without the sounding of one trumpet. This is the opening of the seventh seal. And so what I love about this is the, the requirement that is there. And here's what I loved about what Brother John, or Brother Jack MacArthur had wrote about. He made this statement, he goes, that once again that there were seven angels that were coming with their trumpet. Now, this no doubt had to be like a ram's horn. Now, for those of you that don't know, the, uh, the Jews, the Jewish men, especially the priests, were very good about the ram's horn. They gave a very uh, demanding sound. It was a very baritone sound. The, uh, the resonance would be more muffled out, where a brass horn gives you a twill, it gives you a sharp sound. I remember many years ago that I, when Jeremy was learning trumpet, uh, and I was teaching this at the mission work that was up in Ohio, I got to this place and he took the trumpet and he went, bum, ba, Well, the, well, the sounding of the trumpet is not something that we expect to happen, but it is in order. And I will believe, just as we see the sounding of the trumpet, for us to be called into glory, is also another trumpet that's going to usher in the judgment. Let me show you what I'm talking about. First of all, hold your place here, and let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 4. By the way, there are a fresh set of notes in the back for anyone who would like to have a copy of the fresh set of notes, they can do that. But I want you to look at verse 1 of Revelation chapter 4. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was it were of a trumpet. Once again, that long, that long sounding twill, talking with me and said, Come up thither, and I will show thee which must be hereafter. Let's also take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And again, let's take a look at the responsibility of the sounding of forth of the trumpet. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. I'll give you a moment to get there. And it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in the Lord God, uh, will, and Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, that the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. 
For the Lord himself, now I want you to underscore verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, that's why I want you to see Revelation chapter 4, with the shout of the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. So the word trumpet is always an, an announcement. Now, we don't know when it's going to occur. We don't know exactly. I mean, we might draw it down to the month, and, but we just don't know the year. We don't know the time. We just don't know anything. That's one of the reasons that we should always be looking up in anticipation of the Lord's coming. But when we talk about that trumpet, it's not the first time that we've heard it. What makes this one different that we read over in Revelation chapter 8, these trumpets are about to sound... And as these trumpets are about to give sound, they are at the ready. So if you ever watch a marching band where you have a lot of trumpets, whatever, a lot of times they have their, their trumpet at the ready. When the announcement of the king came in, and they had those long fluted trumpets that they would literally blow through, they would stand at the ready, getting, you know, at the anticipation of going ahead and blowing the trumpet. Just because you have the trumpet doesn't mean you have the right to blow it. And the thing that I find is that in verse 1, it says there was silence. Now, what I love about what Jack MacArthur pointed out about the silence, he said, it's almost like the thunderstorm that we're used to. I don't know about you, but Greg and I were making a comment the other day, I think it was Friday evening, we were looking outside, and it looked like a threat of rain all day long. Everybody remember? And it looked like a threat of rain. But off in the distance, it, we, we could tell that everything was getting a little darker. And, and of course, with modern technology, it said that the storms were on their way and whatever. But we could tell that it was getting darker and darker. And, and pretty soon, everything got really quiet. No birds were chirping. No animals were stirring. I mean, literally, they were in, going into hiding as they were getting ready for the protection they needed against the upcoming storm. And so for that silent period before the storm would come, there was going to be this silence. In many ways, this is what uh, Jack McCarthy pointed out. There is a reason for this silence. And whenever heaven gives a silence, you better be aware that something major is getting ready to happen. So the silence in heaven, and he said about the space of a half an hour, this is as he perceives it, not as God would, would give it. So there was a perception in his mind that it was a, a predetermined plan to be silent for a small period of time. And again it says, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them was given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a gold, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer with the prayers of all. So when you talk about this silence, when you talk about this, this is all. So I want you to get this. you got the, the angels with their trumpets. They're getting ready to sound. But you also have, an, uh, have this other angel that has a censer in his hand. And not only does he have a censer in his hand, it is also filled with prayers. He is getting ready to offer this as well. I don't know how many of you all know this, but I want you to think about this. And I wrote this down as well. The command of God allowing silence to occur. Now, I want to show you something, and I had never seen this before until this present study. But I'd like for us to go to the book of Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. 
if you've seen it, that's wonderful, you know, and uh, forgive me for not having seen it before. That's the beauty of uh, studying the Word of God. In Acts chapter 21, we see the Apostle Paul is getting ready to be a tribe. And, you know, as he's getting ready to go into this trial period, already there has been a lot of noise by both the religious rulers, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. They want to see the destruction of the Apostle Paul. But then Paul gets permission to speak. Look, listen to what it says in verse 40. And when he was given, and when he had given him license, meaning given him permission, given him responsibility to speak, who's allowing this to happen? One of the Roman guards that are there. Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand unto the people. Now watch this. If I raise my hands and I ask everybody to come forward, how many are going to come in silence? Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Paul is beckoning the people to come to him. Instead of them screaming and yelling and everything, there's a silence. And he's beckoning them. Do you realize that in this silence is the word of God and is going to be declared in majesty and holiness and righteousness? Let me see if I'm not right. And when there was a great silence, when there, and when there was made a great silence, he speaking them into the Hebrew tongue. There wasn't until there was a silence. Now, you know, it's funny, when I was at camp, I, I don't like to yell and scream and things, but I learned the power of one finger. And on the first day, I told the young people, when we were there at camp, I said, if you see my finger, go to the sky. I want everybody also to raise their finger, and I want everybody to get quiet quickly. And it didn't matter where we were at, whether it was dinner, whether it was chapel, whatever, all I had to do was raise one finger. And pretty soon, another person would recognize. They would raise one finger, then another, and there would be a complete silence wherever we were at, just because I'd already given them warning of one finger. I don't know what this must have been like, but one of the things I do know is that the Apostle Paul in the most hostile environments was given permission to be quiet, the calm before the storm, the calm before the Word of God was going to be declared. One other thing that I want us to see is that here we have every aspect of the things that are going to get ready to happen. You have this golden censer. And in this censer, you, you have all this incense that was going to be needed. But it was also accompanied by the prayers. One of the only areas that I can see that the prayers are being offered up was in Roman or Revelation chapter 6. And let's go down, if you will, to verse 16. And notice what we, uh, what we see here. Revelation chapter 16 or chapter 6 and verse 16. Okay? Now, I want you to get this. And said unto the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of God. This is not the prayer of saints. This is the prayer of sinners. They have yet to repent. Now this is the video that I want you to see. This is the slide that we have up on, uh, on behind us. And the first slide that we see is that we see all the destruction and they know from. Do you know that many times people see destruction over and over again, but they are yet to repent of their wrongdoings, or even in the face of God, they don't want to have that declared. I remember 9-11, and I mean, it, it's, it's etched in my mind. I, 
I think every time that we turn around, we're going to be reminded of 9-11. But I remember that there were only a select few that came in and had prayer, but there were still a lot more that were giving any kind of praise and glory to God. I watched the television and how that many times on the steps of, of our uh, Congress or Senate or however you wanted to look at it, you had a, a certain number of elected officials that they wanted to sing, God. says what they really are looking at. For the day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? I want you to get this. When you take a look at wicked individuals, they don't want the things of God to come over. But instead, what we need to look at is what really happens when we have individuals that have a desire for the things of God. Go back to verse 9 of the same chapter. Once again, you have the righteousness and you have the righteous attitude of those that, that want to know more about God. Look what it says. And when he had opened the fish seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them which were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Once again, there was a lot that was there. But look, what, look at verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How the censor is going to be cast to the earth. Now, let's think about that for a moment. So now you're going to have... see if this isn't true. Look at verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up for, before God out of the angel's hands. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and cast it through the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. What I love about both almost a The silence was broken by once again, I want to refer to what happened this past Friday. As we were as we were sitting in Greg's living room, the next thing I know, we started to see the lightnings and the sound of rain begin to fall. There is a great thunder that's going to occur when this angel finally breaks the silence. And when you begin to see the censure, notice that there are things that, are up that have to happen. First of all, the voices. What do you think these voices are? These are the prayers. I believe that these are the sounds of the prayers. 
voice. There's going to be a magnificent voice that's going to occur. And then there are thunders. Man, I'll tell you what, thunder can scare you. We, Greg has a little dog uh, named Dorothy. And uh, even before then, had little Harley. And both those dogs, man, they were scared of storms. I had a dog like that one time. And I always knew when a storm was coming because that dog would make its way to our bedroom and want to breathe in my face. And I went, goodness, dog, you need a breath mint. And next thing I know, that dog would be right beside me and literally hiding under the covers, but they felt most at home when they were beside me. Right there, they wanted to be in that protection. It's interesting that Dort wanted to be right beside Greg. You know, as long as I'm beside the master, the master will protect me. But here's the thing. Do you realize that there's no protection of the thunders and the lightnings that are happening at this time? This is apart from this. So in Revelation chapter 6, when you see the first, when you see that first earthquake, that's just the beginning. This is a whole different earthquake. And I believe just as powerful as the first one. And notice that you had the thunders and the lightnings. They didn't say rain, but there was the earthquake. And after this, we begin to see the full aspect of what happens when the silence is finally broken. And we take a look at this in Revelation chapter 8, verse 6. And the seventh seal and the, and the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Now watch this. Here comes that first angel. You know, when you begin to uh, blow the trumpet, what happens? That trumpet comes up. And when that trumpet comes up, it's getting ready to sound. And notice how quickly each one of these trumpets are going to sound. We have 13 verses. The first five verses are all about preparation. And in verses 6 through 13, one right after another. Look and see if I'm not true. Verse 7. And the first angel sounded, and there followed tail, and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast to the fire, and a third part of the trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Now, I want you to think about the devastation. When these trees, and when we take a look at, it said one-third of the trees, that means that, I mean, right now, Canada has just been on a devastating fire. We know that. From one end of Canada, Canada to another. But if all Canada and all the population, one-third of the, the population. But when we finally get to one-third of the vegetation, especially the trees are consumed, and all What are the animals going to eat? Because the reality is, is that if all the green grass is taken up, now we're going to hear the sound of animals as they begin to bellow out what is for dinner. Right now, Greg's got some calves that he has put up, and I'm sorry to refer to you so much, Greg. But you know, the reality is he's, he's weaning some cattle uh, or these calves that are from their mother. And as he's weaning them, you have the mothers that were bawling, you have the babies that were bawling, and eventually they lose the, the, the taste of milk. And after they lose that taste of milk and the, and the mother's udders have dried up, that's not going to be a problem anymore. But I want you to think about the sound. Even animals are going to scream out, where is the milk? Where is the freshness that I need? Where is the green grass? Not, uh, not long after that this occurred, we see the second angel as it is announced. And there was a great mountain burning with fire, and cast in the sea, and a third of, part of the sea became as blood. Now, that is, that is hard to imagine, isn't it? 
How is it that one-third of the ocean can be turned into blood? Let me just tell you something. If God can make the river Nile turn into blood, he can also turn the oceans into blood. I believe that this is a revelation to everyone that's upon the earth that this is all These things are going to happen. The rest of the world is scoffing. Now, again, I don't want to get into somebody's face. But when in history did this ever happen? When in history did it ever happen? I want you to see the word as. Now, again, anytime you see the word as, it means like unto. So, again, we have a great mountain. We don't know if it was a real mountain, if it was a meteor. We just don't know. But look what it says. And the second angel sounded as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. So we don't know where this great mountain comes from. We don't know where this devastation is going to occur. But we do know that this is going to be cast into the sea. And notice what it says. Then you have, in English, the colon, which means, and here is the lasting results. There, and the third part of the sea became, not became as, not became of. plant. Nastiest job on the planet. And I remember that one of the things we had to do was cut the, the throats of the chickens after they'd been stunned. And literally, you would see them bleed out. And we had this one trough where the chickens would come in and the blood would literally build up and it would ooze out. It, it was amazing to me. It didn't, it flowed, but it flowed very much like an ooze, not like a real blood. Or not like water. And the reality is, is that this is the thing that we need to understand. One third of the water, and it said one third of the sea, meaning the ocean. Do you realize we have what we call seven oceans? That means out of the, out of the seven oceans, two of those oceans are going to become as blood. Could that be the Indian? Could that be the Arctic? Could that be the Antarctic? I don't know. Could it be the Atlantic? Could it be the Pacific? We don't know what's going to be turned into blood. All we know is that's what Scripture says. Then, notice what else it says. In verse 9, And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. There, there's the application. Do you realize the stench that is going to be upon this earth that's going to occur? Death has a stench to it. Especially when you have fish, especially when you have any other creature that is there. And look what else it says. And a third part of the ships was destroyed. It's hard to imagine that one third of our great navy would actually be wasted away. So think about all these wonderful vessels that are out on the oceans right now. The, the Enterprise and, and all of that fleet. The, and also all the uh, different kinds of ships that are there. The, the submarines and everything. Imagine being trapped and suddenly from ocean waters into that bloody ooze. 
Once again, even one-third of the ships are destroyed. So it doesn't go into great detail after that, but look what it says in verse 10 then. And a third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven. This time it is a star. It is not as a star. It doesn't say as anywhere in it, but a star fell from heaven. And, and when it fell to heaven, uh, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell, there's the as part, you know, being bright as a lamp, and it fell to upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. This is uh, where we have it targeted. Now, we can't drink salt water without it being processed. But we can drink river water. We can bring fountains of water. We can drink out of streams because that is fresh water. But notice that this time, the direction of this, this vast star is going to hit the fresh waters, and notice the application. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the river waters, and I don't say how many died, but many died, because they were made bitter. This reminds me of something that we can actually see as well. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Now, for those of you that are turning over there, this is going to be after the people have, been, have exited uh, out of Egypt. They're past the Red Sea. They've seen the hand of God over and again. But notice what it says all the way down to verse 21, if you will. And they gathered it, uh, and they gathered it every morning, and every man according to his eating. Oh, that's chapter uh, 16, excuse me, uh, 21. And, 15. Uh, and Miriam answered and said, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. Look at verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. And when they had come to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter, therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he was cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. So now you have sweet waters that are made bitter in Revelation chapter 8. But here in Exodus chapter 15, you have, you have bitter waters made sweet. Therefore, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in thy sight, and will give ear to the commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, that healeth thee. Once again, many are going to die. And I thought about this. You know how many freshwater, I mean large freshwater lakes we have? There's a lot of them. I mean, we have our Great Lakes as well. You know, when you take about, those are all freshwater lakes. Can you imagine if all of those are turned into wormwood? And there's not enough power, there's not enough ability, not enough time to even cause them to be cleaned up. But finally, I want you to look at this in verse 12 of chapter 8. And the fourth angel sounded, and a third part of the sun was smitten. Now, do you realize, I want you to see what happens when a third part of the sun is smitten. And a third part of the moon, 
and the third part of the stars, so that a third of them was darkened. And the day shone not for a third part of it, and the light likewise, meaning the day is shortened. Now how can that happen? The earth is moved closer to where the sun is supposed to be. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know. I've never been there. don't know how it's going to occur. But this is the plan of God. The moon is also going to be less. The sun is going to be less. I tell people this all the time. If we understood what God did in creation in giving us a dwarf yellow sun as our star that we circle around over and again, and really that star only lasts 10,000 years, what happens if it goes down? What happens if it starts shutting down? A lot of people might say, well, this really means the, 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 the dust of the earth and, and the, the earthquake is going to bring such a smoke and everything that one-third of the light isn't going to shine. I, I buy that. I, I hear what you're saying. But it doesn't account for the fact is that the day is shortened. How is that that the day is shortened? Verse 13 says, And I beheld and heard an angel fly through the midst of the heavens, saying with a loud voice, Whoa, whoa, whoa. The next slide that we will, Joe, and we're going to finish up here. The next slide that we see are these angels as they're sounding. And the reality is, now, the only thing I can find, there's five trumpets that are there and two to go. But the reality is, is that there are three woes. Go ahead and look at the next slide. And the three woes we're going to be looking at next. And each one of those woes has a particular habit in a particular part that we want to see. So when this angel, the fourth angel, sounds, there are going to be three woes that are going to be released. We want to stay in tune so we have a good understanding of what they are. All right, it's now 10 till. Let's go ahead and be dismissed in prayer. We'll get ready to go to our morning service. Lord, thank you again for your blessings. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful unto you and guide and bless now. In Christ we pray. Amen. We're done and we're dismissed.